This is such a cool state. I mean, come on, live free or die. You're the state where the shot was heard around the world. That last Senate I don't know if you're aware you're in New Hampshire. People in New Hampshire don't care about money. You can't buy a vote in New Hampshire. They want to see you, they want to touch you. I would like to do small groups, but if we announce that I'm coming to like a restaurant, all of a sudden there's, you know, a thousand people show up. His imagination must not be married to real power. Why not? You just don't want to see us fall backwards. You go to New Hampshire, there are not any minorities there and nobody lives there. Liar! Thank you, New Hampshire. And now, from the campus of St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, the existential flagship of presidential primary activity, your host, the executive director of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, Neil Levesque, and because every ship needs a rusty anchor, Josh McKelvin. New Hampshire Live starts now. <laughs> All right, welcome back to New Hampshire Live, everybody. This is Neil Levesque. I'm here with Josh McKelvin, oh, my yeah. wonderful co-host, and we have a very special guest today, Congressman Chris Pappas. Welcome, Congressman. Thanks. My first time on your uh, your show, and Hampshire happy Live. to be here with you. Yeah, Hampshire Live. We're, we are going to actually supply this um, so you can listen to it on all of your trips back and forth to New Hampshire and Congress, so you just get just indulged with all of our good thoughts about politics every day. You know, that's great. I've been looking for things to do on the plane, and actually I've been <laughs> downloading a lot of podcasts because, you know, it's an hour flight, so you can usually get, you know, one or two in. Um, and uh, local content is always uh, hard to find in terms of podcasts. So Yeah, this is a little bit different. And, um, so those flights, is kind of interesting because you spend a lot of time, you know, going back and forth to New Hampshire. That's tough. Um, what's it really like to be in Congress? You, know, you, just, you were just elected. You served in the House here in New Hampshire mm -hmm. and then in the Executive Council. So now you're in Congress. You're flying back and forth to Washington. What's it really like? What, what, are, what are your expectations compared to that? Reality, yeah. You know, they say in Congress you spend the first six months just being so inspired by uh, the chance to be there. And then you spend the rest of your time wondering how everyone else got elected. And I think I'm about at that inflection point where I'm looking around thinking, well, oh, the voters selected that guy? Um, but I think it's going well. You know, look, we've got a, a group that's pretty dedicated to trying to find ways to make things happen. Um, I think regardless of you know, who you are coming into Congress, um, you know, the people the last election were looking for um, some solutions and not the same sort of division and, and, and politics we've been seeing. So I'm on good committees to do that. I'm on transportation, also Veterans Affairs. Um, so I think we're going to have something to show for the next couple of years. What's the real difference between the New Hampshire House and that sort of environment up there in Concord compared to in Washington? What's the real difference? Besides the pay. Well, the pay is a little better. I was going to say that. You know, we don't get the cool license plates either. But, um, look, we, you know, I think the lessons you learn in a place like the New Hampshire House are, are desperately needed in Washington, where you have a fair and open process. Um, you know, the process in Washington um, doesn't look anything like it does in New Hampshire. And it's probably nothing like our founders intended. Um, you know, committee chairs can bottle things up. The leadership decides when they want to bring something forward. Um, you know, if our democracy is really going to be accountable to the people and is going to allow regular people to be heard, um, we've got to make sure we have more of a shot of, um, you know, good ideas moving forward, um, especially when they have bipartisan support. It's a lot more partisan, too? Um, it is to an extent, but um, not always. Um, I think when the cameras are off and the microphones are off, people act a lot differently than they do when they're, you know, trying to 
score a few political points. So what I found is that in my committee meetings, especially the Veterans Affairs Committee, you know, we're not Republicans or Democrats in that room. We're Americans. And I think we need so much more of that. And I just hope that we can have more folks that have had some state and local experience that have seen the process work in a different way, try to work hard to change the way things operate in Washington. One of the things that, as a former reporter, I always appreciate about, appreciated about you is you're the same guy whether the camera's on or off. I mean, certainly when there's you got to talk about you know policy issues, things that are important. I mean, you're you're all business, but you don't change. You don't see that that transition. Uh, but I got to ask you because here in New Hampshire, you're well known, um, and one of the tags that it's, it's in normal life, everybody would love to have, but you're a young-looking guy. Do you have people uh, coming up to you saying, you really, you're a congressman? I mean, when you introduce yourself, you have, must have that, right? So the, the first day I was there, <laughs> I hadn't gotten my official pin yet, was heading down to get sworn in. I was on the elevator, and these people were there, and they were so excited to meet their new member of Congress. Uh, and I said, well, I'm really excited to be here to you know, work for the people of New Hampshire. And they said, really, what member of Congress are you interning for? <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and I said, no, I, I uh, you know, just got elected myself. Um, you know, and I think the wonderful thing about the new members is that we're 10 years younger on average than the rest of Congress. So we may not look, uh, you know, the role, but I think um, we come with a fresh perspective and a set of ideas that's that's desperately needed. So you talk about the the younger you know generation now that, that we're seeing in Washington D.C. and partisanship, bipartisanship. Is there a millennial group that uh, is kind of coalescing a little bit, regardless of, of you know where you stand, uh, you know, ideologically in, in the party lines? Is there a new generation that kind of recognizes that we are the new generation? Yeah, um, there is, and it cuts across party lines. Um, you know, we spent months going through orientation, and that was a shared experience with Republicans and Democrats. We were down at the Kennedy School. They did um, one down there as well. Um, and, you know, through that experience, you develop a bond. And I think if you can take a step back and understand one another, um, there's a shot you can work together. During the shutdown, there were lots of talks between um, some of the younger members, the newer members of Congress that, how do we get through this? Um, because you go from an election where you feel proud and eager to do what you can to represent your district to realizing that there are real stark political realities in Washington that, that get in the way. And so we came there, regardless of what party we are, to change business as usual. It's a broad commitment to do that. Um, and we've got to look for ways to do that. And can't, can't insist that just the old way of doing business in Washington is, is good enough. So we got a lot of presidential candidates coming through, and they actually, uh, yeah. a lot of times, have gone to your restaurant um, and campaigned, and now they're coming through here. We had two here today. So um, any favorites you looking at? Have you been around any of them? Have you taken any time to, to hear from them? I like everyone. <laughs> What's he going to say? Yeah, me too. Right, this horse right now. <laughs> no, I, I, look, it's real exciting that there are so many people stepping forward. Um, I think there's going to be someone for everyone in the race um, on the Democratic side. and Like literally someone for every New Hampshire voter. Sure, right sure. The way it's trending. Yeah. What are we up to, 18, 24? I don't know. Yeah, it's over 20 now, and yeah. I think it's, it's probably going to be about 25 when all the dust settles. That makes it hard to, to cover the race. Um, you know, I found in our congressional primary we had 11 people running. And for some voters, you know, it took them time to attend events and go to forums and really sort through it all. And for people who want to do that, um, you know, they're going to have to really be keeping score here. So I think it's going to be pretty late before we understand who 
the favorites are, who's got a shot at, at pulling this off. I think the, the territory, though, is real ripe for someone who puts in the time who we may not think of as a front runner now to upend expectations, right. as we've seen so many times in the past. Oh, yeah, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, he did this podcast. It was like the next day that all of a sudden he started taking off. Is there a similarity? I don't know if there's... I don't think it's an accident. Yeah. I mean, clearly, your job uh, right, just by virtue yeah. of this podcast is going to skyrocket. Yeah. He yeah. did fly to Texas right after our podcast and do the CNN town hall, so mm-hmm. that was, might have been another situation. <laughs> However, um, well, he, was scared, he was interesting, yeah. too, and he's really putting the time in, and it's amazing. Now he's number three in our polling here at the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, and if you take Hillsborough and Merrimack counties, which are obviously pretty vote-rich areas, he's actually number two in New mm. Hampshire. Mm. Well, I think that this is an outgrowth of Donald Trump being president, that people who don't have the traditional experience are looking at themselves and thinking, well, I could do that. I could do a better job than than what I see he's doing. So I think the silver lining for most Democrats in the Trump era is that um, people without the, you know, typical resumes are now being considered as uh, potential contenders, and it allows some people like uh, Mayor Buttigieg to be able to enter the race and um, get a lot of traction. Speaking of Trump, you know, um, maybe the Democrats are underestimating him, mm-hmm. maybe. But have you had any interaction with the White House as a member? You're a Democrat, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any interaction? Uh, he obviously went to the State of the Union. He was there. But yeah. how is that relationship uh, with a, being a Democratic member of Congress, being a freshman, mm-hmm. and the White House. You know, I've checked in with the political liaison uh, to Congress a few times, uh, most recently about um, the H-2B visa issue, which is crushing um, a lot of New Hampshire companies. Um, they need to gain access to the workforce they need to succeed. Um, I attended a, an event at the White House for Greek Independence Day not too long ago. So, um, you know, we need to find ways to work together. And I've always said that if the president is doing something that's right for New Hampshire, I'm all for it. Um, so I think we can find that common ground on veterans issues and infrastructure in particular. Yeah. Right. I mean, we, we talked about all the, the candidates who have been here, just circling back. A lot of questions about the health of the New Hampshire primary. It would mm-hmm. seem to be quite healthy given the fact that, uh, that so many of them have been here. One piece of legislation a lot of people have some questions about is, uh, is like, what's the... Um, so there's HR one. HR one, right, yeah. right. Uh, some people say this federalizes elections. Uh, others have very different feelings. Explain what this legislation is and why your position is what it is. Yeah. Well, there are a few components to it. It's a big piece of legislation that really was an outgrowth of the fact that um, there were a lot of new members elected that ran their campaigns differently. We're looking for something different out of Washington. Um, it focuses on trying to make voting easier, not harder. So. It has requirements in terms of, um, you know, preventing gerrymandering, um, early voting, uh, making sure that um, people have um, access to the vote, that there aren't barriers standing in the way. Um, It also looks for more ethics reform to end the revolving door between Congress and lobbying. Um, It also, you know, looks for ways to get big money out of our political system. Um, There are a number of us that got elected by not taking um, corporate political action committee money. um, And I think that Voters generally understand that corporations and special interests have outsized influence. We've got to look for ways to uh, limit that, at least in terms of its impacts on policymaking. Um, so that was the big statement that we were hoping to make in that legislation. And we'll see a number of smaller bills that come forward as an outgrowth of that. Um, but look, you know, our 
Europe, democracy is not a level playing field right now. Um, there are some that are able to exercise a lot more speech than others, and I think we've got to look for ways to empower regular Americans to have a final say. Speaking of speech, we've seen a lot of uh, uh, New York Congresswoman AOC. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody knows her. She's a rock star. Have you had a chance to meet her? And um, if so, there's two very... She's 10 years younger than him. Yeah. Which you would never know, all right? (laughs) Well, she... So her office is one floor below ours. Um, She gets a few more visitors uh, (laughs) than we do coming by ours, but that's okay. You know, we're... We have an open door policy. We're actually located right across from Annie Custer, so we have the New Hampshire corner of the Cannon building. But a lot of pressure on her, though. I mean, suddenly she's the face of a party. You know, she she wanders the hallway, or when she's going from meeting to meeting, she has a horde of 20 or 30 reporters following her wherever she goes. Um, I'm lucky not to be under that sort of a spotlight or, or that sort of scrutiny. Uh, but, you know, she has changed the you discussion. You play that intern card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she has changed the discussion, um, you know, in a way. I think, uh, you know, what the Green New Deal proposal gets right is the urgency uh, about the problem we're facing with climate change. Hmm. I, the plane ride home. Yeah. You brought it up at the beginning. I've always wondered about that because that's it's a lot of faces go down with you yep. and then come home. And, you know, uh, I always thought about uh, Congressman Frank Ginta, uh, held the seat and had his FEC issues. And I remember getting texts from people on that plane the day that the FEC problems first broke. I was working on Channel 9. And just how odd it was on that aircraft because Congressman Ginta didn't want to take out his earbuds. People were trying to say hello to him. But it was just a very strange dynamic. Is there... What's that like? What's that like being on that plane? Well, Ginta's still on the plane uh, because (laughs) he works in Washington. So I see him all the time. And usually he does have his earbuds in. Uh, But we say hello. um, And... Usually most of the delegation is, is on the same flight, uh, back and forth. Usually have a lot of uh, defense contractors, uh, you know, BAEs well represented on the flights sure. to D.C. Um, so Has he yeah. offered some tips, though, just general guidance of, you know, Washington, D.C. and navigating? Oh, Congressman Ginta? Frank, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I've talked with him a few times. And um, we actually live in the same neighborhood in Manchester. We're, you know, just a few houses away from one another. Um, so, yeah, I, t- I talk to a variety of folks on a regular basis. Um we're, we're, we're trying to do this right for the people of New Hampshire. Um, and I think, you know, you need to stay well-grounded and well-connected here. That's so the do most you ever go back part. to the restaurant and work in the restaurant? You know, I worked, the last time I worked there was New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, I, no, I'm sorry, Christmas Eve, um, you know, which is one of our busiest days. Um, lots of chicken tenders flying out the door. So, this is the Puritan back room for anyone who doesn't Everyone know. knows. New Hampshire's number one <laughs> restaurant. There's no doubt about Can it. Can you go, get a good mudslide in D.C., though? You can't. You can't, which is why, you know, people come by our office asking, you have mudslides here. (laughs) So we we could bring a blender down, maybe. I order the chicken tenders, but the problem, I live 20 minutes away, and I have to put them in the trunk. Now, any person would know why, and that is if if they're in the car, you tend to sort of say, I'll just have one. And by the time but then for the next four days, the car smells like chicken tenders. You bring home half as many. (laughs) Um, Do you love the job, though? I mean, you feel motivated. There's nothing disheartening about it. Obviously, you pointed to a yeah. lot of issues that need to be dealt with. But Oh, no, I, I'm incredibly honored great. to be in the role. I, I really like the job. Um, the beginning was extremely frustrating with the shutdown. But now that we've moved past that, I think, um, you know, we're getting down to business. So I, I'm just hopeful that, you know, people can be heard in Washington, that we can move some things forward, that it's not all about the flash of, 
uh, you know, the camera bulbs and the oversight hearings. It's got to be about, you know, how we address some of the substantive issues people care most about. And with that, Congressman Pappas, thanks thank you for very time, much sir, for being on our New Hampshire Live podcast. And as everyone knows, you can subscribe on iTunes and get our podcasts. And looking forward to many more. Thank you. Thanks. Great thank to you, sir. With you. Appreciate it. See ya.